If you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. The Battle Cry of a Generation was brought to us by Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit, the sequel to the 1992 smash hit comedy starring Whoopi Goldberg at the height of her powers. Like most sequels, Sister Act 2 looked to capitalize on the success of its predecessor by taking the beloved characters from the first film and flopping them into a new situation. However, also like most sequels, it was to mixed results. After the original Sister Act hit theater, in the summer of 1992 and amassed over $231 million at the worldwide box office, Disney, through their Touchstone and Buena Vista branches, fast-tracked the sequel into production, with Whoopi Goldberg returning to don the habit of Sister Mary Clarence once again, and with a multitude of familiar faces including Maggie Smith, Kathy Najimy, Wendy McKenna, and Mary Wicks. However, this adventure would take place at an impoverished school with Whoopi posing as a teacher, which was loosely based on the real-life choir instructor Iris Stevenson from Crenshaw High School. Abandoning the edgier crime boss field story of the first film in lieu of a more sentimental coming-of-age story that focused more on the cast of kids than it did on its star did not sit well with audiences or film critics of the time. Even though the film performed well financially when it premiered in theaters in December of 1993, grossing $125 million on a $38 million budget, this was a substantial drop-off from the first. The film was also panned critically, receiving an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. Sister Act 2 looked destined to become yet another forgotten comedy sequel. However, like Sister Mary Clarence, the character, there were some surprises hidden up this movie's sleeve. Sister Act 2 got the millennial boost that so many films from the 90s do as children that grew up with the film continued to champion it and in recent years Sister Act 2 has received a re-examination. Nowadays, people hail Sister Act 2 as a great depiction of the struggles of education system in impoverished communities and the ways that these communities aim to inspire hope from within. But not only that, musically the film's effects are just now starting to become more evident as Sister Act 2 is credited for the popularization of gospel music's fusion with R and soul, and hip-hop, with modern megastars like Harry Styles, Janelle Monae, Colby Collet, Katy Perry, Lecrae, Jennifer Hudson, and Lizzo, all citing the film as early inspirations for them. Not to mention the emergence of Lauren Hill from the Fugees and Jennifer Love Hewitt. Much like the struggling community it portrays, Sister Act 2 was left to languish for a time, but now, with renewed TLC and consideration, new inspiration and appreciation can shine through and flourish. So today, we're brushing off our harmonies as we ask the question, Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. What's it about? I'm Ricardo Blake Diaz. I'm Seth Crow. I'm Megan Brand. And this is the What's It About Film Podcast, a show where we try to glean the meaning of it all through the media we consume, holding a mirror up to ourselves, and seeing how it reflects in our own lives. And today we have a very special guest joining us. Seth, would you like to do the honors? Yeah. I have a good friend here with, uh, with us today. She is a comedian, a writer at Third Coast Comedy Club, and a Nashville local black gay woman. Welcome, Miriam Kirk, everybody. How's it going? Yeah. Welcome, Miriam. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited you're here. Miriam, uh, honestly, is one of the first comedians I saw in Nashville when I moved here. So uh, you actually, I think, technically were the first because I walked in. On uh, Lakeside? I walked into the open mic at Lakeside, yeah. and you were doing uh, doing a set, and I I, I listened, and and so I, it made me excited, you know, because you knew what you were doing. And after being in LA and then coming here, it was like, okay, there is a scene here, 
and uh, yeah, and then and then it turned out Miriam was in my improv class. Yep. She was the only person I knew besides Sarah, and the rest is history. Here we are. So yeah, I'm stoked. Awesome. You must have made a great first impression, Miriam. I I mean <laughs> I was up there doing my set. I don't. It must have been a good set because Seth is like I knew what I was doing. Most of the time I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's life. <laughs> it means you're a, a good comedian if you recognize that. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you better when you know you're up there just bullshitting. Am I allowed to cuss on this podcast? Yeah. I don't know if I am or not. I'm a cuss. Hope y'all. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to cuss on this podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> you're allowed to fucking kiss. <laughs> uh, we are so glad to have you on today. Uh, you have brought us the film that we are watching today, Sister Act 2. Back in the Habit, which we will get into in just a little bit. But before we do that, I want to just do a quick check-in with my co-host and our guest today and say, how is everybody doing today? How has everybody's week's been so far? Silence. Nice. Nice. No one wants Good. to go first. <laughs> Good. Um, my week's been okay. Um, I'm trying to think of anything crazy happen. Nothing crazy. Like I said, I was talking uh, to Seth before we got on. I got a, I got, I got a call from my mom. Uh, about the podcast this past week um, uh, to, to do a check-in on me, a mental check-in. <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, it was nice. It was just funny because my mom doesn't listen to the podcast. It was like filtered through family members that do listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know you know what it was though? It was really nice though because it was like me, again, me and my family don't talk about that kind of stuff very much. And so it was kind of nice that, you know, my mom wanted to check in on me in that way. So I appreciate it. But I yeah, I am okay, everybody in my family. I'm okay, I promise. <laughs> Everyone <who's> listening. <laughs> so that was an interesting thing. Otherwise, my week's been pretty chill. Um, how about, uh, Seth, your, how's your week been? Uh, it, I have a zit this morning. I woke up. I'm sorry. Uh, with the zit. Are you okay? Uh, I'm okay. It hurts a little. Um, I got a, Well, stop poking have, it. I'm sorry. I have a zicker on. Uh, we have these, these zit stickers. Um, Love those. Yeah. Love gonna, those. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm. Uh, other than that, I'm gearing up for um, my show in the fall, and I'm I'm working on the poster. Um, and it's a it's a it's a labor of love. I I'm very picky when it comes to um, posters, and so. I thought I had, and I still do. I'm still going with this idea. Uh, The idea narrowed down last night and then, uh, and then somebody kind of like tore it apart, tore it to shreds. (laughs) It wasn't me, was it? No, 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 it wasn't you. Uh, Who who did it? uh, I showed some folks uh, that I, I do trivia with and then, uh, Miriam knows Christina. Christina wasn't that into it. Uh, and uh, and and this uh, some other friends, but so the the concept is this like it's I haven't shown Miriam yet, so I'll I'll tell you Miriam the concept of the she's you know she's seen some of the show. It's called This Is a Joke, and it's a very like heady show in some ways. Like you don't really get it until you get it, and once you get it, you get it, but you don't get it until you get it. You know, got it, got it, and. Uh, the, the concept for the poster is it's this is a joke. And then in the background is like a, a starry night sky. But my face is a constellation 
in the sky. So it's like you don't see it until you see it. So, but somebody said I was overthinking it. Somebody said, you know, it looked kind of Tumblr esque, <laughs> which that was pretty yeah, brutal that's... to be told. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you stole it from Pinterest. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm trying to hone that down now. I'm still, I'm still working on it. I like the concept. I'm just trying to get the font right, you know? I'm trying to get the font right. Man, people. People are harsh. People don't know the the strength of their words. (laughs) (sighs) I'm sorry. sorry. I like it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. What about you, Megan? Yeah, that was cute. How's your Um, day? How's your week? My my day's fine. Um, My vacuum ate my headphones, which was really traumatic for me. Well, you know, Um, here's the thing, Megan, about vacuums. They don't do anything without someone. They do when they're little robots. Oh, he was a Roomba. They do. Yes. Your Roomba. And it has its own. Why are your headphones on the floor? Yeah, you keep putting them on the floor. This is the second. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say anything if it was the first time it's happened. But this is. (laughs) I don't think I should have to change my entire life because there's a robot vacuum in my house. And if my headphones are on the floor, that should be fine. What if it was an animal? You know, like. Well, it doesn't. Well, speaking of Nora, my cat's name is Nora and she had to go to the vet for a dental cleaning yesterday. And she's still really groggy. And I'm looking at her right now. Um, that was probably the the biggest part of my week. And she's she's got to get two teeth removed, which Aww. will cost me a lot of money. <laughs> is, that all, is that your, all your coffee? Did it fall on your computer? <laughs> no, no, it didn't. I picked it up in time. It wasn't totally empty. I have to go get a paper towel. Yeah, yeah, That's about yeah. how my day is going. Okay, all right, all right. What is going on I'll be back. Okay, Okay, we'll see you in a second. I'm turning off the computer. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Uh, With all that going on over there, Miriam, how's your week been? Oh, how has my week been? It's Wednesday. This is going to be a busy week for me. I'm headed down to Louisville this evening. Um, I'm performing at at the uh, Caravan Comedy Club. Oh, wait, not down to Louisville. I'm sorry, up to Louisville. I was corrected on that earlier today. Um, but yeah, it's been a busy week. I have a show tonight and then I'm hosting tomorrow, a PB backyard comedy. They have a show over at Sunny's Nashville, which is a local like bar and like hang out. They have like a patio area where they host a comedy show and it's really cool. So I'm hosting there tomorrow. And then Saturday I'll be performing over at third man records. Um, so Begin, nice. Beginning of the week was nice wow, and chill. you do have a busy week. Yeah. Beginning of the week was nice and chill. Just day job stuff. I still have my nine to five. I wish I was a full-time creative, but that's not my reality right now. So yeah, just been like hanging mm-hmm. out and getting ready for the shows and hostings and things coming up. And then next, this weekend is uh, Juneteenth. So I have like a ton of family going to be coming in town, I think starting today. So yeah, it's going to... I enjoyed the, the beginning of my week being slow and kind of low key. And then it's about to pick up here today, actually. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, this, that's been my week thus far. Nothing super, super exciting awesome. at the beginning, but it's about to be hectic near the end of the week. So <laughs> lots of good things on the horizon. Lots of good things. Thank you, though, for taking some some time then to hang out with us yeah. when you could be getting prepared for all that stuff. So, yeah, oh, I'm a procrastinator. I'm going to I'm going to write my set list on the drive down there. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I'm very much a, I'm very much a my, my ADHD procrastinator. I'm like, I'm one of my friends is gonna drive down, so I'm gonna be like in the passenger seat just like writing out my set list. I have the jokes, I just don't know which order I'm gonna tell them in yet. So yeah. That's uh, that's fair. Yeah. The order. I would say that's that's what I understand about I, I I've never really participated much in stand up per se. I mean I've done it an open mic or two before, but you know Seth being one of my good buddies, uh, what I've kind of learned from watching him and how he he does it too is like you kind of you know you write your bits your bits like they're like these like sections, yeah. and then like you like once you have your sections kind of perfected, then you just kind of like like okay how do I want to make them flow together and like stack them stack them on each other so that way like it gives like a nice cohesive like through line yeah um so like you have it's like you like you have my bits i already have my bits all planned out i just had to figure out how i want to like go through them yeah that's yeah that's exactly and i'm always doing that last minute because i'm like because i i I'd started doing improv because i was so bad at crowd work and like just i would go on stage with my mm. bits prepared like i know this is what i'm going to do but then like the if i just watching and learning stand up you get more of a you get a, a response from the audience and it's like oh how do I respond when they want to do that interaction with me so then that's what got me into improv so I could pr- get better at crowd work and now I'm like I think maybe like the past three or four months like I'm just going up there doing 10 minutes of crowd work and like two minutes of my set I was like well I got good at it <laughs> now I have to find my way back to yeah. doing my set it makes me mad there's this mindset that they're two completely separate disciplines and it it's just wrong, yeah. you know. Like like people are like, well, it's just a different part of your brain if you're improvising, or it's a different part of your brain if you're doing stand up. Like stand up's very rigid and has to be calculated and and constructed, and and improv is like you know loose and like like it just it's wrong. You're wrong. Yeah. To be a good comedian, you need both. You need. You need the marriage of the two. Yeah, I mean, I know. Like, I don't. I know you can do both that way, but right. I don't think Dave Chappelle took improv, but he like studied it, and like so many of like just like I guess the more like well known comedians like didn't necessarily like just like take improv classes, but they would study improv to be able to because it's there. There's comedy and improv. Like there's both. They're both. They both require comedic timing at some point. It's like well, why not be good at both of them. So yeah, I was like, I'm, if I'm going to be the best comedian I can be, I need I need both. So yeah, I I don't see why more comics don't and do if it. If you're reading a room, if you're reading, if if you're reading a room, sometimes your delivery needs to change. Yeah. You know, like sometimes sometimes it's not the right time to say something. Yeah. You know, and you have to improvise if that's the case. Yeah. So it's like I don't know. I I have very strong opinions because people have told me that that i i have to do comedy a certain way and i'm just like no, no. absolutely not. it's you. art why, why do you have to do it a certain way it's literally <laughs> how you interpret it to be yeah. there's no certain way to do it yeah no i i've gotten a little bit of flack like you're doing improv yeah. i'm mm-hmm. like yeah why why not especially like some of you all, like you'll say you want to get into acting like improv is a part of that also so it's like i'm just setting myself up for success the best i know how to hey if everyone's like, "Hey, you want to be in this movie?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. I've taken, I've, exactly. I've done some some improv. I I could probably act a little bit. I don't know, but yeah, I agree. It just makes you a, a more full, fully, more fully formed comedian and entertainer. Right. 
you know, like you said, being able to respond and being able to be flexible and fluid, but also have a structure. Like that's like improv is. It teaches you how like here's your structure. Now play and flow through it. Right. Uh, and it it just I think it makes you a, a more alive performer. Right. Um, that's just my opinion. I know like some of the like more popular comedians that I see on like my Instagram and on my my TikTok and stuff like that, that are people like Matt Reif. Yeah. Who's like really awesome at crowd work? Andrew Schultz. He has like a whole crowd work special. Yeah. And uh, Matt Reif, I know, was on Wild and Out for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost a thing now where audiences like show up with the expectation of like, oh, the the comics are going to interact with me. I like, I might get to like, so they like get excited about that. So it's like, okay, I can't, I have to like, you don't. I mean, obviously, you don't ever have to do crowd work, but audiences almost come with that excitement that there might be a chance mm-hmm. that the comic is going to be like, "So, what do you do? What's y'all's relationship? Or what's y'all's what's going on here?" And so, like, audiences mm-hmm. get excited about that. So it's like, why not put it in there? Because they're excited to interact with you while you're on stage performing. It's like, I mean, Mateo Lane, Andrew Schultz, like all, most of the clips you see on like TikTok and Instagram now are just like, yeah, comedians crowd, crowd working, work. and yep. like, it's like, hey, like. And, Right, yeah. So it's like, why not be good at it? Why not? Why not get good at it? Yeah. Exactly. Why not be good at it? I love. <laughs> it's that. all entertainment, right? Right. Like if if you if it's not enter- as long as you're entertaining, that's what you're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a great segue. I was just gonna say, I think it's an awesome segue uh, to <laughs> our movie of the day, uh, Sister Act Two: Back in the Habit. So. This film came out in 1993, hot off the heels of the original Sister Act, which again was a massive surprise success of the early 90s. I mean, $231 million in the early 90s was was huge, uh, especially for a a, uh, African-American female-led film was huge. Um, And so they made this movie kind of as quickly as they could. Um, And it didn't do quite as well, but that's okay. My personal experience with this movie is this was one of the movies I used to watch when I was younger with my siblings. This and like Mrs. Doubtfire were like on repeat in our house. So this is like a, the second part of like our Mrs. Doubtfire episode for me is Sister Act and Sister Act 2. <laughs> uh, it's one of my favorite movies from my childhood. So I was really excited, Miriam, when you picked yeah. it. But uh, speaking of which, Miriam, why did you pick Sister Act 2? Because it is my favorite movie of like probably all time. Because it's just a, like a, a feel-good movie. It's one of those movies where you're like, oh, it's overcast and raining today. I think I want to watch something that'll cheer me up. And it's like Sister Act 2 because it's this story of triumph. I tear up every time at the end when they win the competition. Although I've seen it so many times, I know they're going to win the competition. Mm. It just feels good to like, oh, those kids work so hard. It's like inner city kids with talent. Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's just, a, it's just a simple exactly. feel good movie. And I love it. Like I, I just, it's one that you can watch over again. Mm. And I do, I do watch it often. I think that's why I got my Disney plus subscription just so I could watch it. Awesome. I didn't have a VHS anymore to play it in. So I had to get Disney Plus. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding. And and you know, Gigi, I don't know if you've heard, they're trying to make a third yeah, one. with Kiki Palmer. Oh, I was wondering. Yeah, yeah I think they're yeah, working on they're it right now. they're trying to do another one. Yeah, I'm excited. I love Kiki Palmer. I love Kiki Palmer, too. I think they may have... Wait, is Whoopi Goldberg not going to be in it? I think she's still going to be... No, she's, she's in it. In it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I think she'll still be yeah. playing Sister Act. Uh, I think maybe it might have been put on hold because of the writer's strike. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, 
once that's over, I'm sure they'll resume. But they they're planning on they're planning on it. Yeah, because it's classic. Um, I think Kiki Palmer was also also in Joyful Noise, wasn't she? I hadn't seen that one yet, but it did sound in Joyful Noise. Sounds accurate. I don't actually know. Maybe. I think she was. I think she was. But I don't remember. But that's okay. It's a very similar type of like gospel competition type movie. Um, yeah. But anyway. She was. She was. Thank you, Megan. <laughs> Megan's our researcher. <laughs> awesome. I'm really excited to talk about this movie with you. So, Miriam, thank you for bringing it to us. I want to check in with my two co-hosts here. Uh, Megan, what's your history with Sister Act 2? Um, I had never seen it before. What? Uh, I- had you seen the first I, one though? I think I saw the first one when I was a kid. Okay, but I didn't like it. wasn't like a go to. I remember watching it and like I remember little scenes from it mm. and liking it, but I never revisited it and never saw this one. I also think on those shows, like those, I want to say like those VH1, I love the '90s, whatever mm. shows. I think I saw it there a lot because I used to watch those all the mm. time, and they like talked about this. Um, but yeah, this is my first time, like as an adult with a fully formed brain, watching uh, any of them all the way through, and I thought it was really fun. Yeah. All right. It was very like of its time. I think the like, like you were joking, like the inner city kids with talent, like whoa, shock, like that was a very. It felt like uh, Freedom Riders meets School of Rock. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the original School of Rock. It was yeah. the original. The original School of Rock. Yeah. But I can see, like, I can see it being um, a, a touchstone for a lot of, like, artists now, like yeah. you were saying. Oh, yeah. I Like, I when I looked up this movie, like, t- so many current mega stars, like, top of their game right now, singers, are like, cite this movie as, like, being one of the movies that, like, got them and put them on the road of, like, becoming singers and musicians. So, like, it's, it's crazy. It's weird what, like, can become a cultural touchstone in certain ways. You can only know that like 20, 30 years now down the line, which is insane. Yeah. This movie came out two years before I was born. Two years before you were born. Oh (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm I'm, 91. Me and Seth are the oldies. Yeah. Wait, it came out in 93. I was born in 95. (sighs) 95. Yeah. Seth and I are the oldies here. I'm 15 years till 50, y'all. It's fucking with me. Stop saying it. I feel like you have to stop framing it like that. Even as a joke, you're going to make yourself lose your mind. Has he been saying this consistently lately? Yeah, he said it a few times at work. Seth, stop it. I'm the exact same distance to 50 as I am to 20. You got to stop thinking about it like that. Oh, man. Okay, uh, my... So... My history with this movie, um, I, this was a strange watch for me. So I watched um, Sister Act 1 and 2 back-to-back as in marathon form uh, just because I wanted to be fully immersed into the, the IP. And uh, I had not opened up these files in my brain in so long. <laughs> and then it was like suddenly I, I like – was in touch with a part of myself that I hadn't been in touch with in a really like this movie, like, okay, not to be frank, sister act two less so, but sister act one, I wanted to grow up to be Whoopi Goldberg. I wanted to be Whoopi Goldberg when I grew up. And, uh, I just like 
my mom, my mom, when she had, um, my sister was bedridden in 92. So like I ended up watching a whole lot of movies and this sister act one was my favorite movie. Sister act one was my favorite movie. I would just that and little mermaid. So I was like those two movies I would just like watch on repeat. And so it was weird to revisit that because it was like my soul was being touched um, in a strange way. So then we watched Sister Act 2, and I, I don't think I saw Sister Act 2 till later. Um, it's great. Um, I, I feel like it has a different attitude, though. Like, it's, it's about different things, and it's like it's not as much of a redemption story for Whoopi Goldberg's character. It's more like she's a, she is literally a teacher. Like she's taken on a different man. She's become, she's become in the first movie, she, she was being mentored by, by the nuns. Yeah. yeah. And now she's become a mentor. Yeah. She, she's become this figure of, uh, respect and reverence and like authority, like earned authority, not, mm. not unearned authority. Um, so it's, it's definitely different. Um, but I mean, the movie itself is like, it's, I mean, it is the original school of rock, you know, like it, it, there would be no school of rock without this movie. Um, Mm. so it's, it's like the, the perfect template for every movie after it. That's like it. So yeah, I, I I loved it. Um, it's kind of weird because I did watch them back to back. So it's like, all one experience, you know, for me, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it was cool to access it, which, which means we're going to have some cool stuff to talk about, I think, because we're tapping into religion, we're tapping into, uh, art, we're tapping into all that stuff. So I'm stoked. Yeah. And, and Seth, your experience because you did watch them back to back is closer to the experience that a lot of the audiences at the time had, where it's like, like you said, the tone of both movies is vast is actually staggeringly different. Yeah. It's, it's like almost yeah. a completely different vibe where like you can, that first movie is kind of edgy, you know, she's like, yeah. she's dating a crime boss. There's murder. There's like, is a, she a prostitute? Murder. Is she a prostitute? Is she not a prostitute? Like there's those tones. Like, like it, you, it, you don't remember the first movie. Direct? Yeah. She's never seen it. Oh, I have when I was oh, a kid, yeah, but yeah. I don't think, well, I don't think my parents were like, yeah, look at there's murder. Yeah. I think they were probably <laughs> skirting around that. Yeah. Part. So yeah, she's, so she's a lounge singer and she's dating this like Vegas crime boss. And like, yeah, like the reason why she has to go into hiding is because she witnesses her, her boyfriend murder a guy that ratted on him. And like, so like she's in hiding from her, mur- her psycho boyfriend. Yeah. The context the for the plot. first movie is significantly better than the context for the second movie. Why were there so many movies in the '90s about women hiding from men? Mm. I, I feel like we were tapping into something. <laughs> <laughs> I just <laughs> happens a lot. Yeah, where are the where are the movies where men are hiding from women? No, we don't need those. <laughs> we don't need them. We don't need those. <laughs> we don't need more men movies. <laughs> we have enough. We've reached capacity. Okay. <laughs> but for any of our audience out there. Um, who hasn't watched Sister Act 2 in a long time or has never seen it, uh, here's just a little refresher of what the general uh, plot is, what the general concept of the film is, and then we'll get into our uh, mainstay conversation. Uh, So 
After returning to her life as a Vegas performer, Dolores Van Cartier is asked by her former sisters to don the persona of Sister Mary Clarence once more, but this time to pose as a teacher in an effort to rehabilitate the music program at an inner city high school. That is the general plot of Sister Act 2, Back in the Habit. So... It's time for us to get into our conversation. So, Miriam, since you are our guest and you picked this movie, you get to ask the question, the titular question, to the group. It's the title of the podcast. Yes. What's it about? Is that the question I get to ask? That's right! Yeah! You did it! What is it about? <laughs> what is it about? <laughs> Does anyone have anything that they want to like bring forward first? Uh, I know definitely... Uh, Again, this is a movie that I I have songs from this movie on my in my iTunes. Like that's how much I like this movie. Like I have the Oh Happy Day version from this movie and the Joyful Joyful version from this movie in my music library. <laughs> Cuz I've been a big fan of this this uh movie for a long time. This movie for me is like a lot about like lost hope and what happens when you lose hope. You know, the way things start to decay and the way things start to be forgotten when there's no hope. Uh, and, you know, like like they say in uh, Shawshank Redemption, you know, hope, hope can be dangerous. Hope can drive you insane or it could be the only thing that keeps you going, right? Um, and this movie is such an expression of joy and... And almost like a a rebirth for this community that I think is really really fun to watch, and it it makes just it just makes me feel very happy. This movie um, to watch where these kids start their disillusionment, even with their own their own lives, um, and them just not thinking that they're worth anything, um, and then somebody comes in and shows them that they have so much more to offer as just people and individuals. And I think it's really fun to watch. What about you? What do you guys feel? That, um, <clears throat> the song that she was like, if you want to be somebody, if you want to go somewhere, you better wake up and pay attention. When I saw this movie, I, I was young and I took that quite literally. So I stopped taking naps as a kid. And I was like, whew, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta wake up and pay attention. <laughs> I have to. Sister Mary, Cla- Sister Mary Clarence Very. says I can't sleep. That's so cute. <laughs> She's like, I have to. And I used to like sleep in class. So there was like a period of, because I used to sleep in class like all the time. Because like I'd wake up and like have training. Mm. Like I played basketball and college basketball. So I'd wake up and have my training in the morning. And like when I was in class, I would sleep in class. But I was like. She's like, I better wake up and pay attention if I want to be somebody. So I'd like, there was a point in time. You're like sketch. <laughs> yeah. So like, I took it quite literally. And I just like, I love the movie. Like Frank A was one of my favorite characters. Like, hey. Oh, Frank A. Right. Hey. Oh. It's just such a, a simple, to me, just a, a simple feel good movie where it's like, you have this struggle and then like mm-hmm. triumph. And I know it's, I know a lot of people, it's not the, I feel like we're, we've been in a, period recently where people are looking for different ways to like tell stories. I know like the feminine act structure is very popular right now and like Wes Anderson with his like longer mm. frames or I'm not super familiar with his work where it's like I just I enjoy like the simple this is mm. the 
they, they introduce the problem. The school's about to close down. Oh, the, there's these kids. They're talented. What? That's so crazy. And it's like, oh, let's, the, we used to win music competitions at this school, and they win the competition. I'm like, it's just a simple, it just makes you feel good. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a nice disconnect mm. sometimes where it's like, ah, my job sucks, and I want to be a full-time artist. <laughs> It just makes just a it's a nice upper it's a nice upper sometimes just to watch a simple feel good movie. Well, her her mom in this movie is brutal. Yeah, why Cheryl Lee that, Ralph? That was... And that's that's yeah <laughs> yeah. She's like oh my it's gosh. Like, it's I mean because it's real. What she's saying is not a lie. Right. She's, it's <laughs> you know like. <laughs> It's not, but also it's like, I don't know. I guess it's a good reminder that like that, even if you can't make a career out of something, the joy you get from art is absolutely necessary and you can't forget that. But when she was telling her at the, that part where she was like, um, your dad was a singer. And I thought, I thought she was going to say your dad was a singer and he died. I was like, those have nothing to do with each other. And then she said the rest of it. They have everything to do with each other. (laughs) Remember, your dad was a singer, and now he's dead. Uh, Honestly, that, that would was, that was would very intense. That would, that would justify her attitude more. Like she's no, just yeah. so and so serious about it. Like, like if, yeah. if your dad he was a musician and he got addicted to heroin and killed himself, then I could buy you know her. Like, well, it's like it's like Coco when we watch Coco, right? It's like. the the musician left to pursue music and abandoned their family. And so like, there is a lot of anger to that. Regardless of like, whether or not like, uh, whether or not like the music killed them, the music took them away from their responsibilities as a family member. And that there's a lot of anger that goes with that. And like, I think it's just ironic that Cheryl Lee Ralph is like the mom. That's like, no music is bad. And there's no place for that here because like, she's a Broadway performer. Yeah. She's a Broadway. She's Broadway all the time. Yeah. So she's like, no, there's no room for art here. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it was, it's also hard because it's it's choir. You know, like it's not like right. she's she's know. a kid <laughs> in like, school. That's the most wholesome version of what yeah. she could be doing. Yeah, yeah. Qu- choir is a gateway. Is a gateway. <laughs> is gateway singing. <laughs> it was just very intense, but I like that's very of like the kind of movie it is, where it's kind of like like you said, it's very simple and wholesome and like joyful. And I think none of this, like, I don't know, the stakes can only be so high in order to keep it joyful. Um, And one of the things, I just feel like there was a lot of, like, there's a problem, but then it is within a pretty short period of time resolved. Mm -hmm. Like when he was like, you can't go on field trips. And she was like, please. And he was like, all right. Oh but I like that. I like that. There's no like, oh god, you know. If it can save the school, it's fun. Okay. Well, you, if All it can right. save, well, that's. I think she makes a good case. I think that's, she does. That's the thing that about like about Dolores about Sister Mary Clarence is that she is so savvy. She's like she like knows how to like push people's buttons. She's antagonistic, and that's how her character was in both movies. She is a little bit antagonistic to other people. She has a kind of like an attitude about it and, and, but like her, her attitude and her antagonism is like helps get people beyond their own conceptions of things. And like, you know, father Maurice has like a very like myopic view of things. 
And Sister Mary Clarence is so from outside of that that, like, she's able to just open the door just a little bit for him to see, like, look, like, there is a – the school is not – it's not a foregone conclusion that this school is is done. It's not. Like, there's time. We have – they said we have until the end of the semester to do something. Like, and, like, so why not give it something new a try, right? I think for me this movie is, like – to go along with like Rita's story in particular, but it, but which, but it kind of expands out to all these kids in this whole community is like when, when things are hard, when life is really beating you down and when things are a struggle, the first thing you lose is like the ability to dream. Like there's no space to dream here. You can, you, there's only space to survive. Like you need to get like, and here's the thing, like, it's like you're going to school, you don't have time to do choir, even though it's a very simple and innocent thing. You don't have time to do it because you need to be making sure that you are able to graduate high school and go to college so you can get some kind of job. And and there's just not time for you to be able to have your head in the clouds. You need to focus because it's hard enough and, and it's hard enough to get out of these types of neighborhoods. Um into a college in the first place like graduation rates for a lot of these types of inner city schools are not they're not great uh and like that's unfortunate and it's really because they're underfunded and they're 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 literally people are taking resources away from them to be able to do their jobs and so it's not necessarily these schools fault but it but it is a fact that the 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 graduation rates of a lot of these schools are low and so there's no time to dream because you are trying to beat a, a the math yeah. anyway. <laughs> so I I get it. And like it's when I worked in Chicago, when I lived in Chicago, I did a theater uh, program in an uh, inner city Southside Chicago school, and I saw similar attitudes to like this types of this type of movie where like when when Sister Mary Clarence first comes into the classroom and just this like attitude of like no like we are all, we've already given up at our young 16 year old age we've already kind of like been like whatever yeah. you know and it's really s- disheartening it's really disheartening to see how kids already have been taught to to give up yeah. uh because there's they don't have a future um and it was really cool when i brought the, this theater program in there to see some of the kids really take to it and how they like one of them in particular i think i think of He's like, I think I want to be an actor now. And I don't think he had thought about it before, which is, I thought was really cool. I don't know what happened to that young man. I hope he is able to continue to pursue and I hope he's okay. But uh, it was really interesting because he he had to, he was one of those kids that was like too cool for, for it. And then we cast him as the lead and and he did a fantastic job. He did great. And I hope, I hope he's, he's doing well. But I've experienced this type of thing, like the way that these kids look at art uh, an expression in that way and it's a lot of it is what's the point yeah you got to be Whoopi Goldberg kind of I like I I, I was uh, a uh, uh, a like assistant artist so like I wasn't like the leading so basically the the program was called Mosaic Brittany was a part of it Brittany Gillespie who was on the show uh, when I worked at the same theater company as her um we would take a play that the theater company we worked at was doing and we'd split it into scenes. And then two pairs of artists would take those one scene to a school 
and they would split into a performance group and a production group. So the performance group uh, would work with one artist and they would actually perform the scene and then the production group would get do the costumes, make the poster, do the sound design and the lighting design. Uh, and then we put those two things together and then all the schools would stitch their scenes together to do the show. So each school had a scene in the show. Uh, it was great. I was like the one that did, took the production side. Uh, so I wasn't the full Whoopi Goldberg. I was more like Kathy Najimy. <laughs> you don't have to bite the donut to know it's sweet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I've seen this firsthand, the way that a lot of inner city kids, 15, 16-year-olds look at the prospect of art, that it's silly and stupid and, and not cool. Yeah. Because they they live in conditions that like don't allow them to – do anything other than just try and survive their circumstances. And it's, there's it's a, tough. There's a book. I can't remember the name of it right now. I have it in my room somewhere. Um, and I borrowed it from a friend, so I should probably give it back. But uh, it's about the cost of being an artist and the resources it takes. Um, and a little bit about like social media having to, having to do with it. But um, what I've read so far, it talks a lot about how in order to have the time and the, you just need like, you need your own space. You need the own space or your own space in your brain. And if you're dealing with all the other things, like if you're worried about your safety, if you're worried about your resources, if you're worried about, you know, all of those things, then it feels maybe even if it doesn't feel silly, like it just, there's no room for like creative, creative, um, play I guess so it's nice to have these spaces that are specifically for that um and also that book made a really interesting point about how like we all get robbed because of those systems because like we're missing out on so many people's expressions and and projects and what kind of music they would make if they had the time like we're getting a very limited scope of the human experience because of the people who have the time and money to make art and get it out there. And that's what we mostly consume. And it's like, really, it just is an endless cycle. Um, and that is bullshit. Yeah. It's bullshit. <laughs> it's so yeah. true. Yeah. 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 Well, it's so the, the hierarchy of needs, right? It's like, if you can't, if you can't meet the hierarchy, you can't, build on top of it right like art is like at the at the at the very tip it's the thing that like you don't need to survive quote unquote you know you need shelter you need food you need this it's like art and expression is like at the tip but like much bigger than i think people give it credit for as far as like a, a method of living i know like with the point megan was saying about having the space to create like my my nieces and nephews like here in Nashville y'all like heard about the covenant shooting like my nieces and nephews like attended that school and so like the past few months it's been like just really hard for me to like focus on like comedy and create like just to write a new joke really and I've just recently been able to just like focus on that again just but because like checking in with them and then making sure they're okay is like I was like art is that on the back burner like being able to do good comedy right now is not at all important so it's like very true like if you if you don't if you're worrying about the the mental and well-being and like surviving it's like 
art is not important right now. Like it's so it's like these like mm-hmm. so back to Sister Act Two where it's like you see these kids who like they're I think one of them in the class was like fifteen or sixteen and they already had a job and like working overnight and like trying to support a family mm-hmm. at fifteen years old and he was sleeping in class and he was like I could care less about this right now like this isn't where my head is at like I'm. 15 trying to help support a family and it's like I, it's like yeah it's like and then you are hearing the same voices over and over again because they do have the the resources and the time to create art it's like yeah it's it's great it's it's crazy yeah. yeah absolutely and I think what for me like really I mean, you know, like I said, I've worked with kids my whole my whole life from young kids to also high schoolers and like seeing how how their circumstances affect them. So I've worked right now. I currently work with a very upper class to upper middle class client base. I work in Encino. And so like our client base is pretty affluent for the most part. Um, but in my history, like I said, I worked in sh- Chicago. Can I, can I, can I tell her whose kids you take care of? No, <laughs> not, not on, not on off like the off the record. Yeah. Not on okay, here. Cause now I'm like super interested. We want to respect their privacy <laughs> after, before the show's, before the show's over, <laughs> we can talk about it. Uh, there's lots of, of, you know, I live in LA, so there's, we'll say there are, I do know some celebrity families. So we'll talk about that later, but I'm not going to get, I'm not going to put them on blast here <laughs> later. Now I'm super curious. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, yeah. Right now, I work with very, some very affluent families, but in my history, I've worked uh, in like at-risk preschool areas. You know, some lower-income preschools and things like that. And the kids, I had one little boy named I'm not gonna say his name, <laughs> uh, but one little boy whose family life was really, really rough. Um, he, like his mother uh, wasn't in the picture. She was a drug addict, so she wasn't really in the picture. Uh, he was being raised by his cousin, um, and he just had a really, really tough. You know, he was a three-year-old kid, and he had already had it so tough. Um, and when he first started, when I first started working with him in the preschool, he was super, super guarded and just like it was really hard to get through. But like once, like he felt the safety and the support of the school and of his teachers and of and of me, he like opened up so much and became like such a a light in the classroom. He was such a, what we like to call a class leader where he's like, he models such great behaviors and he was such a sweet kid and he was super smart. Um, and it was great to see once like he was able to have that security, how he was able to like, just like shine after that, which was awesome. And I think this movie exhibits that so much. It's like these kids needed somebody to inject belief in them. You know, and what's crazy is they're, they're all super talented. Like, like, like she, like when she walks in, she hears them singing. She's like, I, what? I didn't even realize that you all all, like took this class because you have a passion for music and it just like died somewhere along the way. Can, can I, I got to point this out because this annoyed me in the movie. She goes up on the roof or whatever, and they are full on like freestyle rapping, freestyle rapping. I got the flow. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then she's just like, get to class. You know, like she's just like, get to class. And it's not until they sing in class that she's like, oh, you guys have musical ability. 
And it just, I mean, it just goes to show you like well, the mindset of the yeah. 90s, right? Like, it's like rap's not music. Rap's <laughs> yeah. its own thing. I was just saying, that's what it was. But like, like Lauren Hill is like singing and she, and like, you know, but like, here's the thing, like all of them can sing. Like, that's what's crazy is like, it's like, oh, you guys did take this class because you like music <laughs> yeah. and you have a, you do have something in you that makes you want to do some music. Yeah. And like. At some point it was lost. You, it somewhere along nurtured. the way you guys forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Hey, sorry to interrupt your favorite podcast, but I'm here to tell you about Shrimp and Crits, an actual play podcast with a southern twist. My name is Ian, and I am the keeper for this show as we play Monster of the Week by Michael Sands. If you like the sound of swampy monster mayhem, gators gone shopping, and magical fairy mischief, you will be right at home in the remote panhandle town of Gullicochica, Florida, where spooky danger has begun to wash ashore. Shrimp and Crits is the story of Sarah Payne the Mundane. All I'm asking for is answers. That's all I'm looking for is the truth. Ari Green the Searcher. You know the proclamations of the Fae. I suggest you follow them from now on. And Ray Ray, the most mundane monstrous you will ever meet. Mr. Zeus, I'm a I'm a big fan. I, I knew you were I knew you were real. Um, and Ray Ray's just like bowing in front of this swan. As they fumble their way through protecting their skeptical town from mysterious evils. We release new episodes every other Monday on the podcatcher of your choice. Hope to see you soon soon in sunny Gullicochica. I, can I give my theme, Glenn? Sure. Because I think, I think it'll push us further, deeper, if you will. Sure, uh, man. So uh, for me, my theme, Glenn, is Whoopi Goldberg is teaching us to listen to our souls and know that that is enough. Mm-hmm. So like the the last the last scene or the last number they do where it's like um joyful 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 but it's like a mashup. 90s 90s hip hop R&B yeah joyful joyful uh to me like that is that is the culmination of everything that this movie's trying to do, right? And and what it is, is it's like, just because, just because something doesn't look the way you think it should doesn't mean it's not right. Mm-hmm. And that's true artistically, spiritually. I mean, that's like, honestly, like the foundation of all of Christianity if we're going to dive into it, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, it's like the whole point of Christianity is grace, Right. So like just because it, it would be seemingly incorrect or wrong or out of the norm, like it is justified through grace. Right. So like, like there's a reason you are the way you are and there's a reason you pursue what you pursue. And you have to have the faith that there you have to have faith in that reason. Right. And then it will, it will like prove itself. It will justify itself. You know, like my favorite lines in this movie are when Whoopi Goldberg's like, do you wake up every morning wanting to be a singer? You know, like, do you wake up and that's what you think about? And 
to me that that rings true like that like if like honestly like i haven't heard it put that way like ever (laughs) other than this movie like like i wake up and i think about this thing that's what you're supposed to do if that's what you're thinking about that's what you're that's what you should be doing you know and it may not look like what you expect it to it may not unfold the way but like that spirit is driving you and um and if you're gonna believe in anything you gotta believe in that right like because it's it is what keeps you alive well it's 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 you subconsciously telling you what you want right like you said like when you wake up in the morning you're you're not like burdened by like the day-to-day logic of the world right it's literally you're coming out of a subconscious state right and so like what is on your mind as you come out of that of that subconscious world it's like the thing that's worth working through your subconscious is the thing that you are thinking about underneath everything underneath your, your, your daily obligations of your nine to five, your, whatever your bills that you have to pay your errands that you have to run. The thing that's under uh, the undercurrent of all that is subconsciously the thing that you, you want. And like, like you said, like listening to it is important. Yeah. Learning to hear it. Learning to hear it. Yeah. Because most people just shut that shit up. You know, like most people just like shove it down and, and even the pursuit of it will make you want to shove it down, you know? Um, but I, I, this is, this is so like, this is tapping into some, like, for me, like some very core feelings and values, right? Mm. Like. I mean, I've pursued art my whole life. I was raised, I was raised Christian. Um, and it was like, how do I justify, like how in my mind do I justify the pursuit of this art, which potentially could take me into like a very like sinful world. Right. And, and it, and not be unscathed by it or, not be affected or or changed by it right but at the same time it's like i growing up like i had to believe that this was in me for a reason you know what i mean like it's like my favorite thing to do you know Mm -hmm. so it's like how can if i'm going to believe in god how can i believe in god and not believe that he put this they put this thing in me to pursue it right and so it's been a long, long journey because like my belief in God is actually tied up with my pursuit of art, which is like why these movies affect me so much is because they are connected to both. Because to me, art is the, is the evidence of God, right? Like, like the fact that we can create these pieces of of art that are beyond human, they, they, they transcend human experience. Why? Like music, music makes no sense. Like evolutionarily, like, so it's like, and con- like, I mean, I'm doing, my show is about this, like jokes, like why, why is funny? Why is funny? <laughs> like, like there's no, you know, like, 
I don't know. I, I just I just feel like to me, art is one of the best evidences that there is more than the human experience. You know, mm-hmm. there's something beyond just being just surviving, you know. So that's what I said. I said those things. Mm-hmm. I think something that struck me in what you're saying is like a and it's something that I think a lot of people struggle with is like a sense of purpose. Like, yeah. like what is, what am I on this, this planet to do and whether or not you're religious or not, I think people want to know why they're here. I mean, that's what the show is about. Like what, what's it about? Like what's being alive about? What is the purpose? And like, I think a lot of people Luckily, some people have that when they wake up in the morning. They're like, I, I feel like I know what I'm supposed to do. I have an inner drive that is pushing me towards a thing. And artists, I think, are lucky in that way and that artists feel that. You know, you wake up in the morning and you like are thinking of jokes right away while you're brushing your teeth, while you're taking your shower, your brain's coming up with jokes, thinking about uh, the stand-up set that you did the night before, thinking about this, this, the uh, special that you watched a couple of days ago that you that you were taking notes from and, and really thinking through, or, or if you're an actor or a writer, like the different human experiences and how to, how to create them on a page or perform them and filter them through your body. Artists are lucky in that we feel a purpose. We feel like we, we know what we're supposed to do and that's really nice. But I think a massive majority of people don't have that. Don't know what they're supposed to do. And that I think, I think is scary. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's also that there's a, a, a saying about how everybody has those, um, those urges and those thoughts, but artists are just the people who take or have the time and take the time to pay a lot of attention to those things. I think everybody has those inclinations, but the world just kind of, for some tells them like they're not good enough at it or that's not how they should spend their time. And then they stop paying attention to those, those moments that I think an, an artist, somebody who is, you know, used to practicing and honing what they do is willing to kind of pay attention to those moments and those thoughts a little bit more. Um, so I think a lot of it is again, like opportunity and, and time and it, you have to, you have to practice it. And some people just don't have, and some people don't have an interest in it. So, I don't know. You know that's, Not everybody wants to be an artist. That's a really interesting... So, something that you just said there was very interesting to me was that, um, like, art is weirdly, like, a, a meritocracy in a lot of ways. Like, if your art... Your art, People only respect your art if it's quote-unquote good, Right? Like, if someone just feels, like, driven to sing, like, they're like, I just love to sing, and they're not a good singer, people tell them to stop singing. You know what I mean? Like, you have to be good at singing if you if you want to sing. And that's, like, there is something in that that is kind of heartbreaking that, no, you have to be the best of the best in order for anybody to respect that you paint, you know? And and you express yourself through through painting or through singing or through anything you have to be good at it or else people are like it's it's a waste of your time but i think that's where the so i'm gonna i'm gonna slide in here uh 
I think that's where the faith thing comes into play, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm actually fortunate enough to have two people, Ricky and Miriam, on this podcast that have seen me on both sides of the coin of improvisation. Uh, so, so I used to be real bad at improv, like, like pretty, pretty awful. Um, just very selfish improviser, uh, uh, a spaz, not able to really like play well with others. Uh, and Miriam has given me maybe the best compliment about being an improviser that I've ever received. So Ricky, you were there in the beginning and then Miriam is now where I'm at now. Right. And it's like, if someone, I mean, and everybody told me I was bad. Okay. If I could push back a little bit, Seth, you weren't bad. You, I think you were self-sabotaging a lot because here's the thing. I think you knew what the right choices were or not the right choices, but you knew what the, what the supportive moves were, but you chose not to do them because you were angry because people were telling you how to do things and that you were bad and that the community didn't really accept you. So you were, you were imploding yourself because the community itself was not as accepting of you as you maybe should have deserved. Maybe. You know what I mean? You weren't a bad improviser, but you, cause you would choose specifically what you knew was more destructive. Yeah. Well, cause I wanted to prove that you could do it both ways. Right. So, so I wouldn't so. say you were, you didn't, you were not lacking in skill. If that makes sense. Okay. You, I think you were deliberately making choices that were disruptive because it was a, an emotional reaction. That's Fair. all. Fair. But my, my point is, my point is like, if I were, if I were a singer, right. Mm-hmm. And I want to sing I think if you keep singing, you eventually will get better, you know, and you will learn. And like, I mean, I mean, honestly, like that's what I'm doing right now. Like I'm with, I'm doing musical improv and I never thought ever that I would do musical improv. And it is like, it is like the most insane thing I've ever experienced, but I never thought that I would, I never thought I would be singing on stage Mm. ever. And it's like, I don't know, like you don't really know if you let go to the art, the art will mold you. The art will change you. It will create, it will affect you, but you have to have the faith that it, that it will do so. Um, and I, I, I don't know, like, I mean, this is, this is a really like, <sighs> this conversation is there's, it's really hard for me to not get spiritual with it because to me, art is so tied up in spirituality, you know? And like, I don't know, it's maybe it's hard for people to connect or relate to that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like to me, that feeling is like when you feel within your bowels that you want to do a thing, that's like being led by a spirit, by the spirit. Like that's, that is, you, you gotta do it. Like, like you gotta, you gotta do it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree that both are like, they're both about kind of turning inward and connecting with both yourself and something bigger than yourself. So I, I think that connection is 
there. And and I, 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 I'm trying to speak about this. And one of my favorite artistic um, sayings is don't be bound by your medium. Right. Um, which is don't have a limited view of what art is. I mean, if you're a nurse and you get that feeling, do that, you know, like, just, like art is so like, sorry, I'm getting a little whatever here, but like, like you are the art. Like if we're boiling, boiling it down to like the core truth of what artistic expression is, is this meat suit that you're in is your art is your is your instrument right and so like expressing yourself through this meat suit is your only job like so you should be expressing yourself through this meat suit the best you can because that's all you got you know and and so like if you feel a thing that you should be doing and you're suppressing that that's probably now i mean you know if you feel like you should be doing heroin you probably need to do some figure that something might be, out that might be coming from somewhere else yeah art, yeah <laughs> that's coming from somewhere else i think urges come from different different places um yeah and that's probably yeah. but but you hear what the same you hear what i'm saying like i'm yes. i'm getting emotional here but uh it's it's and i think i think that to me like that is the point of that is the point of I'm going to say comedy in this, in this instance is like, if you think about comedy from like a, to me, comedy is grace in action, right? So like, if you see somebody fall down and normally they would be hurt, right? Like, this is like a really base example, but like if somebody falls down like in a fall and normally they would be hurt, but instead you laugh because they're not hurt. That is grace, right? So it's like when something should be something and it's not, and it surprises you, that's grace in action. So I don't know, like watching these kids in this movie come out in their regular clothes and sing the song they want to sing the way they want to sing it is like, and then it's like the best it can be. Like that's, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Miriam, I wanted to ask you, um, so you said this is your favorite movie. And so, and for many reasons, I'm sure, uh, you know, it's funny. It's like said, simple, it's joyous, but what do you think is, is in here that is causing it it to be your favorite of all movies? It's like the thing that it connects with you the most. And it's the thing that draws you to it because there are lots of simple, fun, happy movies out there. But what is it about this movie that that connects with you so much? This is going to be a really shallow answer. It's just I really like Whoopi. I, I, she she was a stand up and she I don't know if she has a, a special she released in like 80 something that it's on YouTube. And she does a lot of physical comedy. And I just see myself so much in Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg. And I, she's an actor. She's a comedian. She's she's so many different things. And I'm just like, oh, I want to be her when I grow up. I want to be like her. 
I want to be. I want to. And I want to. I want to teach the youth, even though it's just a character. But not, I mean, she but does it in real life also. So it's like she's to me. She's like all the things that I would like to be in a comic actor, creative, successful entertainer person. She's like she marks all those. I don't actually. I wouldn't want to be a talk show host. Um, that just seems tiring. But <laughs> not <laughs> yet. Maybe in the future. Maybe someone's like, we will pay you to sit here and interview people for an hour for this amount of money. I'm That's like, what I'm saying. Sure. Sounds like a great <laughs> sure. gig. I can act interested in somebody for an hour. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's like all the things that I, I would I would want to be like as a as a as a as a successful entertainer as a yeah as someone who would get to pursue their craft in a full time way. That she's yeah, that's just. I, I totally agree with you. Like I was, he, I still am a, a, a huge fan of Whoopi Goldberg and 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 her work. And I mean, I've seen almost everything she's done. Like like I've even seen that dinosaur movie she did, Theodore Rex. I've seen it. <laughs> Don't judge me. <laughs> but you know, Whoopi was a you know people forget these days because Whoopi has become just kind of this like again talk show yeah. personality and doesn't do quite as much work like acting work anymore so it is it is people forget that when she was at the height of her powers in like the late 80s and early 90s like she was a force she was a powerhouse of of comedy and a force of personality she was like a list highest paid actor type of like she was the jim carrey before jim carrey type yeah she was my first cognitive knowledge of funny yeah. 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 Well, she and she also wasn't just funny. Like she was also she was a good dramatic. I probably mm-hmm. still is. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but a good dramatic actor too. She was just talented. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it it makes sense that you would connect with her so much because not only and the thing about Whoopi Goldberg that made her so special was like she's so herself. Like Whoopi Goldberg and is who Whoopi Goldberg is, and she d- did not apologize ever for who the person that she was. And that's what made her so magnetic. She spoke yeah. her mind. She was brash. She was. She was. She was, didn't play nice necessarily. Uh, she's great. She was. She, Wait, now I want to know what's everybody's favorite Whoopi Goldberg role. Oh, okay. Just because I thought of one, that <laughs> really solidified it for me. It's it for me. I mean, I love Sister Mary Clarence. It's like she's like up there. I think in the first these two movies together, I think are phenomenal. Yeah. But like I gotta, I gotta go with with uh, uh, Oda Mae Brown from from Ghost. Okay, she's great. Good one. Good that one. A good one. Yeah. What about you guys? It's it's Sister Act Two for me. I'll do mine just because it's um, Sister Act Two. Nice. <laughs> That's what I um, mine, and this is not because because she's got so much more mm. range than is in this movie, but um, in the movie I'm about to say. But the um, Cinderella '90s, the one with Brandy, with Brandy, was so important to me. (laughs) With Whitney Houston and Brandy, that was so important to me that, like, I, yeah, that was that's my favorite. I cannot tell you; it is really bizarre. This is like the third time that movie's come up in my life in the last like two weeks. The Brandy yeah, Cinderella, specifically. So good. But there's been a lot of like crazy hot takes about like 
so in the like the Prince Charming, like Whoopi Goldberg is the mother. I forget who the father is, but then they're like their son is like Asian. And it's like the, the guy it's like, it's like a white guy. It's like the yeah. diversity. <laughs> it's a fantasy <laughs> land. Anything can happen. It's fine. Right. Right. Exactly. They're like, it's a good movie. He was we adopted. Really <laughs> it doesn't matter. <laughs> she has a really cool role. In the stand, which oh. I think is interesting. Like, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's taking basically her sister act, like, like connection to God, and taking it to like the ultimate level. Like, she's like, so uh, she plays like the leader of the good people in the stand. So she's like mm. a spiritual. She's a prophet, um, which I buy. You know, like she's got that some there's something about her groundedness. She's so grounded. Like, yeah, like, like everything I buy, everything that she does, like even at the beginning of Sister Act 2, like you can see that she's annoyed with the writing of the setup of the film. (laughs) Like the first like 20 minutes of the movie, she's like, ah, this exposition is so bad. Like, and she knows it's bad. <laughs> and then she walks into the classroom and it's like a different, it's a different movie. Yeah. You know, like when she walks in the classroom, she's like, this is what this movie's about. And I give a shit. Like, mm-hmm. but before it's like, do, 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 do. Oh no. The, the, the sisters are now teaching at a school and now we have to get there and we have to like justify all this bullshit. So can I can bring up a plot hole? A little yeah. plot hole that I realized this time around. So she went to this school. This is her alma mater. Yeah. She says that. How does yeah. nobody at the school recognize her? Yeah. yeah. As an alma mater. Because <laughs> I know like, yeah. like that's like a thing that schools use to like bring people in to bring money in. Like, look, we have like famous people that are that are she's on the cover of Rolling Stones magazine and they don't know yeah. who she is. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come another on, plot dog. hole. Another plot hole. And it's it's just like, you know, it's just honestly like bad. It's bad, bad cinema. It's bad suspense. Like at the end of the movie, when they're about to win the competition, mm-hmm. there are no other teams that can win first place. So there's no suspense. <laughs> That's not true. So there, was like, that little, there was that little weird quartet that started. No, they, they got fourth runner up. They, 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 they got did, fourth yeah, runner up. <laughs> so like they go through every single every single team we saw and then it's like and then it's like okay who's gonna win first place and it's like there are no other the teams only team we know left. they're gonna win yeah that's fair and uh so, <laughs> but so you're I, saying that they should have added a one more musical number yeah well here's here's what should have happened we should go to the finals Right, and it's like uh, a it's like a a battle between the top two teams. Like I want to see one on one. Yeah, I want to see one more musical. Like there's that's my biggest complaint about this movie is there's not enough musical numbers. I was gonna say this structurally yeah. this, this the like the like if we're gonna go like film if say if we're gonna go filmmaker on this structurally there's not enough like so there's a type of movie called the road trip movie. Uh, or also it's called the Golden Fleece movie. So basically it's like movies where you're on a journey to get a specific thing. Like you have to win or or get some kind of specific item. 
So like sports movies fall in this where it's like, oh, we're trying to win this championship. Uh, or like road trip movies are, oh, we're going on this this journey to get a thing, to do a thing. Competition movies are a lot like that. So this movie is kind of like a, a, a sports movie in that way where they're trying to win a competition. The And the problem structurally with this movie a little bit is that there's not a lot of like steps along the way. There's like you said, there's not like a regionals. There's not like a, a national, there's not a state. There's not a nationals. It's just like they do one performance at the school and then they go to this competition in, in Hollywood. And there's like not enough like them yeah. building and getting better throughout. Because the know, best they just part are good. <laughs> the best part is watching them sing. Like, yeah, it's so mm-hmm. moving. And so yeah, and. Uh, it's just not enough of it. You know, you know who it sucks to be, you know, who it sucks to be in this movie, you know, the, the competitive, the team that's like also got oh, the one Hill. from orange County. No, not the one from orange County. That's like the army of, of choir yeah. people. The one with that has like their own Lauren Hill. She oh. like comes out and sings and oh, uh, Lord uh, civil revival. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks to be her because Why? it's like, yeah. they got like it, third. No, no, no. It sucks like from a like an actress perspective. Uh, like like oh, I'm almost as good as as Lauren Hill. Oh. <laughs> no, you mean the other girl in the class, the one that no, they no, sing. No, no, oh. no. The, the one that's cast, the one that's cast to be her mo- biggest competition, right? Like it's they're at the they're at the competition and then another another team comes out oh, mm. and they have their own Lauren Hill and <laughs> And she sings, and it's awesome. It's okay. That means, but that what that means is, is that she almost got the role that Lauren Hill got. She got, <laughs> she got, she auditioned for. No, the she role. got second best. <laughs> no, she did not. That low, that role is going to Lauren Hill no matter what. Was, was Lauren Hill established? Before? I don't think the food. I think the Fugees were around at the time, but they had not like blown up yet. Like yeah. it's Lauren Hill though. But 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 she could have been Lauren Hill. That's what I'm saying. Is like maybe. I think if she was going to be Lauren Hill, she would be Lauren Hill. That's not that's not necessarily true. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the Fugees like the Fugees were active in the early '90s. So 1990 was like when they came, they started coming up. So they were a thing. They hadn't blown up yet with their big album, The Score, which is like their first like big album. But they they were around. So like, yeah. She was a, not established, maybe she was not a superstar, but she, yeah, she was coming up. She was on the come up for sure. Yeah. And Jennifer Love Hewitt in this Je- is so uh, and dumb. Alana and comedic <laughs> comedic uh, 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 standard Alana Ubach is in here from oh, like yeah. from like waiting and and uh, Legally yeah. Blonde. It's like holy shit, <laughs> what is she doing here? <laughs> it's, she can I, sing. I didn't know she I, could sing like that. She can sing a little bit. Miriam, like after watching this, I can see how your entire personality is formulated at the base of yeah. this film. <laughs> like I just I just feel like you have modeled your whole world like path based off of like Whoopi Goldberg and Lauren Hill coming together into one person. Uh, yeah, so it's is I, is I, I wish I could sing like Lauren Hill. Like I wouldn't be doing comedy if I could sing like Lauren Hill. Yeah, <laughs> so good. and maybe like a that... little and a little touch of uh, is his name Jamal? Maybe a touch of Jamal. <laughs> That's Ryan Toby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a great oh, singer. Yeah. <laughs> 
Amal. 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 Jomo which means yeah. he who is spirited. <laughs> He's just so like, he I love that I know. <laughs> so, uh, flies under the radar, so unexpected. And then he like hits that high note. Yeah. And, and like, the, I was like, yeah, yeah I love that. Class. I love, I love a good underdog he hits story. It, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, happy day. <laughs> I was expecting, so something that never happened in this movie that happens in some of these movies is I was expecting the new kid. You know, uh, sh- a new kid to show a up. A new kid to show up and then just be like absolutely insane, you know. No, I guess I guess Lauren Hill counts as that because she leaves and then comes back, so yeah, it's kind yeah. of the same. Yeah. Uh, There's another plot hole in this movie that bothers me a little bit. Is that again? This is this is Dolores's alma mater. So she's what? What's in her at this point? Probably in her 30s, late 30s, maybe. Maybe even mid thirties, but like, so this is her alma mater. She went there in high school. So even just like, if she's thirty, she went there and she graduated from there twelve years ago. This was nineteen ninety three when she would have graduated in eighty one. They won those music competitions in like seventy seventy eight and seventy nine. How would she not know <laughs> that they won these music competitions? And that's me being generous to say that she's just thirty. <laughs> Yeah. How did she not? She would have been there when it yeah, happened. She would have been in the choir. That's probably where she learned to sing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. How did well, she not be like, I, mean, I she should did, be a part of the choir that won all these she, competitions? She did live in Reno for years, probably doing hard drugs. <laughs> so, maybe, true. There's some memory lost there. Maybe that's <laughs> true. She was in Reno in the first movie. She wasn't even in Vegas. No, she was in that's Reno. True. Yeah. She, was yeah. A, she, she, she first, graduated. The first movie provides very important context. Like, yeah. I mean, her character in the beginning of the first movie is pretty down and out. Well, um, he's married, and she's she's the other woman. Yeah, she doesn't even know he's a mobster. That's yeah. what's so so. How well do you know this guy? Yeah, you know, you're just like hooking up with him, and you have no you have no idea that he is actually in the mob and. Uh, you know, and then he gives you your her wife his wife's mink coat as a gift. Yeah. It's a nice pretty, coat, though. Yeah, it's pretty down and out. It's pretty down and out. <laughs> it's a nice yeah. coat. But for <laughs> <laughs> to like kind of for uh, Megan, what about you? What is the thing that you found the most that you connected with most in this movie? I think I also just loved that it was. Uh, like to kind of tie in what everyone's saying, like Seth, your point about um, like physical expression and it, it being so important and um, the point about it being joyful. I like that. I like that it's a movie about how much you can surprise yourself and how much fun you can have by creating art and how it can connect with other people. I also really like the, I like that like while they were singing, like I think with like, that's like a thing with a lot of choirs and they bring in dance at the end. I think there is just so much you can express in dance. Like I love watching like dance videos on YouTube. I'm not a dancer, um, but I, I wish that I had stuck to it when I was a kid because I just think there's stuff you can, there's just, it's a medium that, expresses things that can't be expressed in any other art form 
So to I love when a, a movie has like a, a dance number or several. It just makes me very happy. Um, Have you seen Suspiria? <laughs> I like Suspiria. I like the new Suspiria. I like the old Suspiria. I like all, yeah. I know people were up in arms about it. It's a horror. It's like, it's a dark version of what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying. No. What's the name of this movie? Not the same wake thing. Up. Suspiria. Oh, you, you, should, you would love it. You would love it, Miriam. Okay. Actually, we've done podcasts about it. Uh, we've done podcasts about both of them. I said there's a uh, there's a 74 one and then there's like a 2016 one, something like that. Yeah. you, you They go together. They are completely the thing, the, the thing is, is like it's hard for me to recommend one without the other. You kind of need to watch, yeah. watch okay. both because they're very different experiences. Um, I think they're equally good experiences, but in different ways. Just, just, just like a really quick summation. Uh, Suspiria, the first Suspiria redefined cinema, so it's like you're watching a new, mo- like a new type of movie for the first time. It's like in the realm of like The Shining, and then the new Suspiria really, really taps into the occult, and it's like one of the best expressions of like physical movement I've ever seen on on screen. Um, yeah, different kind of dance. Different kind of dance. <laughs> different kind yeah. of dance. Different yeah. kind of dance. Okay. But that I agree. Like, but that's that. But that, but to to get at what you're saying, Megan, is like that core. I think that physical expression and being able to express that intensely is magic. Like it yeah. is, it is. You are expressing your soul. Um, right. So, do you wake up every morning thinking about dance, Megan? No, I know. <laughs> no, but I, I. If I could dance, then probably I would if I, if I was trained and practiced and did all those things, but I just, I'll go down rabbit holes on YouTube of, um, of dance videos. I just think it's, they get to me. It's, there's like, I think because the medium is like you're saying, Seth, it's yourself, like every craft that I am inclined towards, like writing or sewing or whatever, there's like an, I guess writing, not kind of, but like, I think with a craft that requires another medium, you kind of have a, a different, like a buffer, which can be really helpful in expression, but also hinder it sometimes. So with this like thing we're talking about with physical movement, it's just like, that's the only place it's coming from is yourself. Um, I mean, I think about yoga, yoga is movement. I don't know if that Let's no, be honest, sure Megan. Like when you wake there. up in the morning, the first thing you I think just about dance. <laughs> well, the first I, thing I, you think about is Nora. We all know. See, I knew it. Well, you mentioned yoga and like I but I think that's like exactly right. Like Well, yoga is, is very spiritual. It's very spiritual and like you you don't and that's what makes Suspiria so creepy. And we can connect we can connect it to this movie because they're singing and dancing. Is like you don't know necessarily the spiritual Effect of you expressing yourself you know what i mean like you expressing yourself fully will have ripple effects on the world absolutely so i know like i for in during sister act two there are a couple moments when i do tear up and like they are in the musical scene so it's 
So the first time is when Lauren Hill and that other singer are in the church and they're singing uh, His Eyes on the Sparrow. And like mm-hmm. that moment where Lauren Hill first, we first hear Lauren Hill like actually sing. Like we heard her sing a little bit earlier. And of course she's great. But like the emotionality that she injects into that rendition of His Eyes on the Sparrow, like it has such nerve and, su- and such earnestness to it that it does make me tear up for sure. Like it's, it's beautiful. And then later when they're doing the Oh Happy Day and Amal hits that high note, there's like something about that like release of of joy. And there's like this like surprise that washes over like the whole crowd of like, of like, whoa. And it is such a release for him, such a catharsis to like let loose so much because his whole character thing was like he's so, so scared to like, to like, yeah just go for it kind of thing. He's just so nervous. And that moment is so beautiful the way he just like lets it loose and it is perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. I love that scene. I love that scene. It's such a great scene uh, to watch. Um, And so for me, like you said, there's, you don't know the power of your own expression sometimes like it's, and it's ability to affect others. I think is, something this movie does so well. And I think for me, my biggest theme clean here comes from like we were talking about the change from Whoopi Goldberg being the mentored to being the mentor. The fact that again, Whoopi Goldberg and like sister Mary Clarence Dolores Van Cartier is a force of nature as a person she, from the, from the moment she was born to the, to where we find her in this movie, she, she has something that is just able to affect people. And when in this movie, she's asked to become this mentor <coughs> to affect positive change in a community that really needs it. She injects belief. And like you said, like Seth was saying faith in the people that are there. And I think for me, the thing I connect with this movie the most is the power of belief. And that could be the power of belief in others when you show someone that you believe in them, the effect it can have on them and the power and belief in yourself that when someone else injects faith into you, then, then you are able to inject it into yourself. And that's where this movie hits me the most. I've been, and we talked about this. I've been very fortunate in my life to grow up very, very comfortable. My dad's a doctor. My mom's a nurse. You know, I've not wanted for anything in my life ever. Um, I've always had all my needs met. And so it's been nice to, my family supports my art, you know, I, I, my dad wanted to be a musician when he was growing up and his dad, who's also a surgeon, forced him into med school, even though my dad wanted to be a professional musician. Um, and he was forced to be a doctor. You know, he, he is a musician now. He, you know, he has his, his band, his, his blues band. Uh, the RX Blues Band, big shout out, and they still play, and they still they're they're still releasing albums to this day. Uh, so he has part of what he wanted, but not completely. And from the day me and my my siblings were born, he supported us with anything that we wanted to do. You know, if we wanted to take an art class, he got us into an art class. If we wanted to play a sport, he got us in there. Like he honestly, we have free reign to explore anything we wanted, which was has given me the ability to pursue my dreams, whatever they might be. And they change. 
But, you know, I'm fortunate, and I know everybody else is not as fortunate. So I, I want to give not only a big shout-out for the fact that I have the the financial and, and and like, like just the, the logistical support of my family, but also the, the, the emotional support of, yeah, we're going to support you if you're going to go for what something lofty and, you know, something scary art. If you want to be an artist, go like the, the permission from my family to go for it has been instrumental in, in that where I am today. And that may not be all the way there, but you know, it's something and my ability to keep pushing through, even though it's hard. So I do want to give a shout out to my family for that kind of stuff. Cause they are pivotal to the fact that I'm still pursuing what I, what I believe is my purpose. So. so he's doing fine, Aunt Ricky. He's doing fine. <laughs> Aunt, Pr- Aunt Priscilla, I'm okay. Uh, he's he's okay, and he's very grateful. I am grateful. My yeah. family is very supportive, so thank you. Is there anything else anybody wants to say as we round out the, the show? Or is there like, is the spirit moving anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Alter choreographed the entire dance routine. <laughs> joyful, joyful, Lord, we adore God of glory, I love this movie. <laughs> but yeah, I think we're naturally coming to the end of our song today. Uh, I want to say a big thank you to, of course, my two co-hosts and our special guests for bringing this awesome movie to us and having a wonderful conversation. Yeah, um, we hope you come back, Miriam. I mean, yes, if y'all Miriam, invite please. Me back, you are I'll always come back. invited back. You're you have an open invitation. Awesome. Open yes. invitation. I'm Whenever you yeah. are fourth like, I want to come back, and I'm, I know exactly what I want to do. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what? We're gonna get to the end of this year. We're gonna have like eight hosts. <laughs> it's just like shark. I, I know that Miriam wants to do shark tales at some point. So shark tale. <laughs> it's you did this before. It's only one tail. <laughs> it's it's shark tale as in like a story about a shark. It's, it's a shark tale. Sorry, I also I'm passionate about Shark Tale. I think we should absolutely are, do it. Are you? Yeah. I feel like that's the movie, like animated movie that started with like famous people voicing animated characters was like that was the launch pad for it. Because before that, it was just like, you know, just, you know, your everyday voice actors. But then it's like, oh, who's this famous person with this mm-hmm. really distinct voice like Kevin Hart or Beyonce or Zendaya or somebody like that? <laughs> They're like, let's get them to voice these animated characters. And so that's, I feel like that was the launch for it. But that's not today's conversation. <laughs> that is <Hell> not. Yeah. <laughs> people, I've had people compare me to Lenny before. Yeah, I could. The shark. I could see that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, well, okay, the guys, this, let's put, let's put Shark Tale on the reserve list. We're not allowed to pick Shark Tale because we're saving that for Miriam. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so, Miriam, thank you so much again for being on the show. We'd like to give our guests uh, a, a chance to shout themselves out, let uh, our audience know where they can find them on social media or websites or gigs that you have coming up. Uh, let people know what's going on with you. Uh, what is going on with me? Okay, you can check me out on s- all my socials at Miriam Kirk underscore Miriam Kirk. Um, let's see. I'm going to be, I produce a show here in Nashville, a live comedy show at Flamingo Cocktail Club. I'm going to be in San Diego in August uh, 
for the PB Backyard uh, San Diego show, August 7th through the 10th. And then I'm opening up for Mr. Seth Crow here, September 14th for his hour special. That's so, right. Boom, boom. Oh, that's I have to I get a ticket now. <laughs> that's what I got going yeah. yeah. I didn't know Miriam was going to be on the show. Now yeah, I have to she's come. She's my opener. She's my opener. Yeah. I wasn't going to come for you, but I'll come for Miriam. <laughs> Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ream. Thank y'all. This is great. Uh, Seth, go ahead and shout yourself out. Uh, So you can find me on Twitter at the Birdie Word. That's T H E B I R D Y W O R D. You can find me on Instagram at Seth Adam Crow. That's S E T H A D A M C R O W E. And you can find my website SethCrow.com, and that's uh, always Crow with an E. All right. Thank you, Seth. And Megan. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Megan underscore Jane 61. It's M-E-A-G-H-A-N. And my writing at Sometimes Songs, also on Instagram. Awesome. Thank you, Megan. And I'm Ricardo Blade Diaz. You can find me at Ricardo Blade Diaz on Instagram and TikTok. That is Blade with a Y. R-I-C-A-R-D-O-B-L-A-Y-D-E-D-I-A-Z. Uh, again, Instagram and TikTok. And you can find this show, the What's It About Film podcast, uh, every Friday morning. We post new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. You can find us every Friday morning. And you can find us on social media at What's It About Podcast on Instagram and What's it about pod on TikTok? And so now it's time to talk about what's next. You know, it's smart to put our plugs before the what's next so they have to listen to it. (laughs) I know. I know it is. Nice. You're welcome. You guys are the suckers out there. (laughs) It's big brained, (laughs) y'all. Anyway, wow, who knew that what a, a tiny structure change can make such a big difference. Now we'll have millions of views. <laughs> You're like, oh, that's where you I could find you. I didn't know. Do it. <laughs> so if you're going to be watching along with us, it's my turn to pick. Uh, and I, I was really scouring for like something that's like relevant as far as like related to a movie that's out right now. And we kind of actually covered – most things we did a pixar movie recently uh we did the john wick movie recently we kind of like touched on a few things that have already like are relevant so i was like you know what why don't i just pick a movie that i love that i don't think there would ever be a time to do <laughs> so i'm just gonna pick a, one of those uh, we haven't done a horror movie in a while Uh-oh. um so i'm picking uh it's fine it's gonna be fine i'm excited uh, <laughs> i'm picking tucker and dale versus evil Nice. That's not a horror movie. Okay. It is a horror movie. It's a horror comedy. Okay. <laughs> Have you seen it, Megan? No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, you're you're going to be surprised. It's it's pretty – it's solid. Okay. I love Who's this movie. Who's in that? I think yeah. so. It's one of my favorite movies. Uh, Tyler Labine is in it and Alan Tudyk is in it. I, I, met, I'm, I met Alan Tudyk. He's Is he as awesome. lovely as he seems? He is. Okay, good. He is an awesome human. He is like good. one of the most like – approachable cool celebrities i've ever met i love it i'm glad to hear that uh, so yeah if you want to watch tucker and dale versus evil with us uh it is available to stream on hulu amazon prime uh if you have subscriptions uh and with a youtube primetime subscription uh you can also find it on google play movies and tv Redbox, voodoo apple tv uh for a rental fee so yes that is tucker and dale versus evil from 2010 um, again, one of my favorite movies. I'm glad we're, I 
have found a spot to kind of slide it in here because I didn't think we would ever have a chance to. So, Tucker Dale versus Evil. That's what we're doing next time. Awesome. Thank you all out there Miriam, so much. Thank you for being Miriam, here. Thank you. So glad uh, to be here. We're so glad to have you. And thank you all out there for listening. We will talk to you again next time. Bye. Adios. Bye. Buenas noches.